0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Here we are at the clinic where we talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. Thank you for joining us today. Since we are uh, going here on the 12 o'clock hour, let's go ahead and start the show with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, Thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host. By the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to another edition of the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, the show is going to be entitled, or is entitled, um, Who Do You Love More? God or the Devil? Hmm. Interesting title there, Dr. Sandoval. What do you mean? Who do I love more? Don't, don't I just love, uh, God? I would never say I love the devil. I would never say that I have any affection towards the devil because that's really what it means, right? When we talk about who do you love, Uh, you know, in in the English language, we use the word love for so many different things. I can love pizza. I can love hot dogs. I can love pencils. I can love movie posters or movies, and I can also love people. But what does love really mean? Um, obviously, you know, if you go, if you look at different languages and if you look at, um, in Spanish, we say, te quiero, te amo, me gusta. So if you like something, me gusta something. So I like something, but you know, it's just kind of like, but in English we say love a lot. And the real question comes down to, when we think about this, what does this do to our psyche? What does this do to our mind? When we just say that we love everything, it kind of dilutes the meaning of love. It kind of dilutes the way we think of love and we can interchange it with kind of like or I have an affinity towards or something, but we just say love, you know, gosh, I love to go surfing. I love to go swimming Um, and we use the word love. It's It's a very powerful word. And we kind of throw it around. Anybody who's been following, you know that we're doing our Holy Hour Challenge. And uh, for these first three weeks, I'm focusing on love. And we're going to talk about that in our last segment to see how that's going. Um, And I can share my experiences um, from the week. But um, really what I want to think about is where do we give our affection? Where do we uh, place our affection? This came up because during Lent, as, as anybody who's been listening to my podcast knows, Uh, I had given up television during the week, uh, you know, and pretty much on the weekends too, for that matter. I mean, I'd catch a little bit of some TV here or there. Uh, And by television, I meant anything secular. So I allowed myself to watch uh, any shows on anything that had to do with learning about or stories about or movies regarding the Catholic faith. And during Lent, it was just, it was amazing to me how little I missed television and how much more I felt like I was growing spiritually. Now that Lent is over, right? Where uh, now uh, we've already had the divine, uh, um, the uh, our divine mercy. Excuse me, was last Sunday, um, and so we've gone through Easter. We've gone through divine mercy. And now that it's over, I thought to myself, "Well, what am I really missing? Am I am, do I miss? What, what did I miss out on?" So I didn't watch TV. Let me start seeing what shows did I really miss, or what what should I start watching again now that supposedly I can after Lent. And as I started watching it, I realized I wasn't as interested in some of these shows. They they weren't, I had filled myself up so much with our Catholic faith that they weren't really interesting to me. They weren't as entertaining. Um, and then I started realizing some of these shows, while they can be funny, you know, I might laugh at certain jokes every time i'm laughing at a joke that might compromise my morals because there's a lot of shows that a lot of jokes and a lot of uh you know sitcom situations where in french i say the double entendre which means a double meaning right so they'll make a joke but you know it has some kind of an innuendo that's improper or incorrect and it can be funny you know it can be funny to the mind but i started noticing that as you start listening to this you know it was kind of taking away from anything that i had already built up you know, the, the, I'm not saying that, that we don't react as human beings. We can find things funny, but listening to that kind of brought things down. And I was wondering, where am I placing my affections here? What am I choosing to make myself laugh or to make myself, uh, entertained or to fulfill myself? And it made me think because as I was watching these shows, I thought, wow, I really kind of like, even though it I find it funny, I find that it is kind of hurting in a way, you know, it it might be funny, but it's almost funny. Like, Making fun of somebody or putting somebody down—you know—there there can be a certain, um, you know, uh, a certain humor to it. There's a certain satisfaction to it. In German, there's a word that's called Schadenfreude, and what that means is I get joy out of somebody else's demise or somebody else's uh, discontent. Different from the satisfaction of justice. Um, you know, I get joy out of seeing somebody suffer or somebody fail. That's very different than saying, you know, gosh, uh, we both had to study for a test, we were in class, and I put in so much time to study, and I was there, and this person was telling me, ah, stop studying, it's not that bad, oh, it's not that big a deal. And I said, no, no, I really need to study for it. And the other person might have been like, man, no, whatever, or we might have even made fun of the person studying for it. And then come test time, the person who studied does really, really well, because they put the time in, and the person who blew it off and really didn't study failed and they're feeling bad about it and they're upset you know when you look at that it's not that i'm happy that they're upset that they failed but there's a certain satisfaction of justice in that case this person each person got what they deserved the person who studied a lot okay they got the good grade the person who didn't study as much you know they they didn't they got what they deserved right and there's a certain sense of justice it's like hey if you wanted a better grade study more right so there's that sense of of justice very different from you know somebody's in a bad place, and somebody somebody who did study a whole lot, and then they still didn't get the good grade. And you're saying, "Whoa, I feel really bad for that person." Right? Um, somebody else can make fun of them and say, "Gosh, you're not that smart. Look, you put in all this time, and look at how dumb you are." That's different. Now that and you're making fun of the person, and that's kind of what I noticed with these shows. It was a lot more of, the, of this humor. Where if I if I started to find certain jokes funny, it was kind of bringing me down. It wasn't. It, it was. It was kind of taking things away. And then I saw this article, a very interesting article. I think it was on Church Militant. And the the title grabbed me because it said that the local uh, cardinal was allowing satanic music. And that's the title of the article. It says, New Jersey Cardinal permitting satanic music. And I thought, whoa, what's going on there? What do you mean that the New Jersey Cardinal is putting in satanic music or allowing satanic music? turns out that one of the local Catholic high schools has a radio station and the radio station is allowed to play any kind of music they want. And one of the lines from this article says music about decapitating little girls, endorsing Satanism and murdering Christians is family oriented, according to one Catholic university's radio station. And this was uh, they call the radio station pirate radio and it's at Seton Hall University. You can look at this article. It's on Church Militant. but it's interesting, this article made me think, because what this article is talking about how they are petitioning uh, the local Catholic authorities to please stop this. You know, this is a Catholic high school, they're putting out uh, a radio station, and lots of colleges have radio stations, but we have to, it made me think, how judicious do we have to be? To what we watch or what we listen to. Since I stopped watching TV during land, regular television overall, I started to realize, gosh, you know, I was flooding myself with a lot of things and a lot of things that we kind of let go by the wayside. Ah, oh, it's okay, it's not that big a deal. You know, oh, it's a little joke. I can blow it off. But is it really this is where I think that the subtleties of the moral life and the and and what's right and wrong come into play. Because all of a sudden, you give the you know, you give the devil an inch and he, he's gonna open the doorway. They always say, you know, when we go to deliverance conferences, they say, you know, the devil will give you 98, 99%. That's fine, you can be 98, 99%, good. He just needs that one or 2% to get into your brain, to start opening the doors, one or 2%. That could be that one subtle joke, it could be that one innuendo, it could be that one, you know, uh, you're watching the shows and it's not, you know, terrible, but somebody comes out in a racy outfit or something along those lines that gets in your head one of the problems is once we're exposed to that, once we've exposed ourselves to that, and not with a critiquing eye, but in a way that I'm being entertained because that's what the shows are for, right? I sit down to watch a TV show. I want to be entertained. Guess what? My mindset, my the intent, the will is in an entertainment mode and it's in a consumption mode. I want to consume whatever you're going to give me. And the problem with that is I'm going to take the good with the bad. So even if something is very subtle, I'm going to go ahead and accept it and I'm going to either kind of blow it off and actually make it like it was okay right there. I think that's our trap. I think that that's where we have to ask ourselves, where am I putting my affections? What am I putting my affection towards? What am I accepting? Because if I'm starting to allow that to happen, I'm putting my affection towards, you know, there was a few lyrics in the songs, there was a few, um, you know, especially with his radio station. My guess is that, you know, as I read the article, it was very general. It didn't specify which kind of music, but if they're talking about things like I read in that first sentence that are pretty gory or graphic, I'll tell you what, when I was a teenager, it was the coolest thing to listen to heavy metal you know gosh and and the darker the better now granted at that time i gotta say it wasn't as dark as some of the stuff that i've actually seen now i don't listen to that music um but when i have reviewed certain things you know it's made me wonder where is society going that now it's not even the one or two percent we're right out there when we come back from the show we're going to talk a little bit more about what does this mean in terms of advertising video games and other forms of entertainment that we might consume how is that affecting our life? more when we come back from the show All right, welcome back to the clinic here at the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're talking about who do I give my affection to? Who do I love more, God or the devil? You know, it's one of these things that it sounds interesting because you know we would think as Catholics and especially our audience here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we think, God, Dr. Sandoval, how could you even say that I would even think about loving the devil? But really what it comes down to is who do I give my affections to? Because it's kind of like this, if you think about it. Um, you know, we're talking about the influence of music, the influence of television, really the influence of entertainment, you know, as human beings, we like to be entertained. It's, it's something that's very common. Why is it that, you know, movie theaters used to be packed, right? And we'd like to go catch a movie, have some popcorn because it kind of takes us away. The point of entertainment is to take us away from our, from our arduous labor, from everything we've been doing during the week, from all the frustrations we might be experiencing. We need a little bit of a break. We need some respite. And I that can be very, very healthy. But the question is, how do we do that? It'd be the equivalent of saying, gosh, you know, I'm going to be very holy during the week. I'm going to go to mass. I'm going to do my novenas. I'm going to do my prayers. I'm going to do a holy hour. And that's wonderful. And then I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get my work done and I'm going to be there for my kids. But now when I want to take a little bit of time for myself... How am I going to relax? How am I going to uh, find time for myself? Well, if I were to tell my wife, you know, gosh, I love you so much. And this is, you know, everything's about the family and you and the kids and everything. And that's great. But you know what? When I take time for myself, maybe I'm going to go look at some lewd content. Maybe I'm going to go, you know, talk to some pretty girls. Maybe I'm going to, well, my wife's going to say, well, hang on a second. How is it that you're telling me that all your focus is on me, but then all of a sudden on your free time you know, you're you're doing quite the opposite. You're taking your affections away from that and filling yourself up with something that is going to tear apart our relationship, right? And I think that that's the way we need to start to think and ask ourselves really more than anything else. Um, is it that, important. Is it that subtle or is it not not that big a deal? Gosh, if I just listen to one song or two songs, you know, we're talking about this, um, this radio station, uh, in New Jersey at Seton Hall. And according to the article that I was, that I came upon, they're talking about, you know, they're putting in kind of bad stuff on the airways and they're kind of, um, you know, putting in music that endorses Satanism, it says, endorses murdering of Christians, um, you know, music that's talking about being lewd things, you know, people being decapitated, things like that. There's plenty of songs like that out there. You can take your pick. I mean, there's lots of groups that really want that because they, or they really promote that because that's edgier. They know that they're going to get your attention that way and they're going to get your affection that way because whatever we spend our time on, that's really what we're having. We're we're giving our affection to. And where do I want to spend that time? Do I want to spend it more with things that are going to bring me closer to God or am I gonna allow myself even a little bit to fill myself up with my my affection, to give my affection to things that might be a little bit more on the dark side. We have to ask ourselves this. This is a very real question. Oh, Dr. Sandoval, you're being a prude. What is this? You know, that we're a free society. I can listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean I am sinning. Well, actually, if we're gonna talk as Catholics, these would be sins against the first commandment. You shall have no other God, right? So meaning that that which you worship, that which you give your affection to, that which you uh, uh, find your fulfillment in should strictly be God. That's what it means for us, right? For me as a Catholic, if I start finding my fulfillment in something that's dark, that's where we talk about sin, right? It might start something small. It might start that you watch that show and it was a little bit of something inappropriate. And all of a sudden, it could be a little bit of a doorway to getting you hooked on pornography. You never know. And, these, and you might think, oh, it's so extreme, right? This is what we say as adolescents to our parents. Oh, you're overreacting. You're being so extreme. You know, come on. It's not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it. Gosh, you would think that if that were the case and everybody would be, you know, in a down place, everybody would be in a state of sin. Well, yeah. You know, actually, yeah, you've got to look around and ask yourself how many people are going to confession? How long are the confessional lines? Are people demanding confession? Not because we don't sin, not because we're perfect, not because I would say, oh gosh, if you don't see that, you're going to be 100% perfect. No, we're still going to have our fallen nature. But let's help help ourselves out. Where do I get my affection? What does this have to do with the clinic? What does this have to do with any kind of health? Well, really, a lot of parents ask me all the time and they say, Dr. Samuel, if I, my kids love to play video games, you know, what about these war type video games where they actually looks, you know, the graphics look so real and it actually looks like they might be hurting other people. And, you know, even though it's a war game, it's military, but the graphics look so real. It looks like real people fighting, um, or some of these games are slasher games and it looks a little bit more cartoonish, but somebody's got a chainsaw and they're chopping up bunnies and they're chopping up this and you see blood splatter. And, you know, this is video games that are supposed to be just for entertainment, right? This is how we pass our time is that simple? You have to ask yourself, you know, really, what are you exposing yourself to? Are you exposing yourself to anything that's not within the catechism of the church? You know, something that you would say in real life, that would be simple in a game. Would it be simple as well or not? You know, it, it'd be almost the equivalent of saying, you know, gosh, what's the big deal? I got this board, a cardboard piece of a piece of cardboard in front of me. and It's got the alphabet on it. It's got numbers on it. And, you know, it's just the alphabet and numbers, but you know, all of a sudden you put a little plastic piece on it and I start talking to it and it starts moving around. What's the big deal? It's just letters and numbers. Yeah, but you're actually communicating with the dark side of that's your Ouija board, right? If you have a piece of cardboard with, with letters and, and you're directing that. Now that's a bit more extreme than say a video game, right? Because in that case, you're saying, well, Dr. Sandoval, yeah, obviously right there, you're communicating with something evil. You know, there's no question about that. Sure, but like I said before, you start with a video game, it starts to set the mind up, it starts to prep the mind that certain things are gonna be okay. I'm not saying that because of these violent video games, that's why people go off and do crazy things overall. I'm not even going to that extreme. But what I'm saying is for ourselves, let's look at this as our internal life. How is that bringing me peace? How is that making me feel better? How is that making me more disposed to love God? Really, that's the end of, at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter, because right now I could say, eh, being prudish, it's, it's not that big a deal, I shouldn't overreact to it. But when I find myself before the gates of heaven, and I want to get into a place that's pure perfection, why would I want to bring any of that with me? It's not that I can't handle it, because that's what some people might say. You know, I remember being a teenager and thinking, oh, these older people, they can't handle it. No, that's not necessarily the case. You know, it's it's more if I'm finding, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm finding my my way to God, if I'm finding my way to perfection, I've got to ask myself, what am I allowing in my life to keep me from that, you know? And now as parents, we've got to ask ourselves, is it okay for the kids to play these games, not play these games? I would say use your judgment. Sit down with them, take a look at what these games are and ask yourself, you know, where is this leading my kid to? Because it's interesting to see that there's a radio station, the power, you know, obviously it's a public radio station because in the area you can listen to it. It's on the radio waves, it's free. It's coming from a university. They're choosing to play, um, you know, music that's questionable. The local Catholic authorities aren't really doing anything about it. And yet as parents, we can be very upset by this. But then I got to ask myself, in my own domestic church, in my home, where, shall we say, the parents are the authority the parents are the cardinal the pope the priest if you will of the home um what am i allowing my kids to do do i have a choice there do i have a, a way to sit down with my kids at you know when they're especially when they're younger to say is this going to affect us now what does this do to our mental health i think that whether we like it or not we have to look at this is going to affect the way that we think it's going to affect the way that we feel because we're exposing ourselves to this. Imagine watching the news all day long and it's just violence and there's nothing good going on and you're watching you know, murders and shootings and police activity and whatnot. What does that leave you with? Does it leave you feeling like, oh wow, what a great place. I'm in a great place. No, internally it leaves us uneasy. Well, one of the biggest challenges is that when you combine the violence with the entertainment, you might not even realize that it's leaving you uneasy. You might not even realize that your kids are uneasy about this because it seemed like it was, that was fun, right? It wasn't, wasn't that fun. I mean, we just played a video game that was supposed to be fun. Why do I feel so kind of down? Why do I feel like doing, being nice to people? Do I feel like, you know, um, being nice to my siblings? Do I feel like doing something productive? I don't know. But if you notice, I mean, I'm thinking back to the times where if in the worlds of heavy metal and, and the music that I used to love to listen to growing up in, in junior high, um, nobody, if you, if you look at the culture, if you look at that culture, nobody dressed very happy. Everything was black. It was black t-shirts and maybe you had the insignia of the band on there. Maybe you had, you know, some other symbols on there. And usually they were even, I mean, looking back now, now that I know better, it was probably a lot of satanic symbols. You see pentagrams and things like that. Um, I didn't have any of those specific t-shirts, but I would see the friends or other people who listen to this music, you know, and it was always about darkness. Black tele- uh, black t-shirts, black jackets, black pants, everything went towards the dark. There was nothing very light about it. My question is, where was that affection going to? Did that scream to me, wow, that guy's really in tune with God. That guy's ready to go receive communion on Sunday. That's what they're thinking about. That guy or that lady, I should say, because it was guys and girls who were dressed like this, they really are showing outwardly by the way that they're dressing and the way that they're expressing themselves that they are closer to God. Or would I say, "Mm, it looks like they're kind of into the dark. They're headed into the dark. Where is their love? What is it that they love? You know, when you look at the Gospels and Jesus says, if your light is darkness, how deep that darkness will be, right? What do we talk about? We talk about beauty as being something that brings us closer to God. And that's really how we're showing where our love is. So one of the things that I would consider is, is your light darkness? Is that what brings you light? Is that what brings you entertainment? You know that you're dressing so dark. I say this because... One, I think we need to ask this for ourselves. We need to say, where is my love for God? As I said we're going to talk about the, the Holy Hour Challenge a little bit later in the, in the fourth segment of the show, but really that's what I've been focusing on this week is if I'm bringing this love, I don't exactly know how to love God just yet. This is where I'm hoping to learn this week for the first three weeks, actually, of the Holy Hour Challenge, and in the last three weeks, I'm hoping that that love will be perfected when we, when we revisit that love, but really I'm asking myself, where is my affection am I going to listen to music? Am I gonna watch TV or something that's gonna take me away from my love for God? Or am I gonna allow myself to say, you know what, it's okay, I can love a little bit of, of something that might not be as uh, uplifting. We have to make that decision. You know, Every day we're making that decision and it's so subtle. We bring this up because in society, it's, it's so subtle that we don't even realize it's happening. Right now it could be music, you know, tomorrow it could be a TV show. The next time it could be as simple as, you know, a magazine. I knew a guy who um, eventually told his wife, his wife used to get uh, magazines from different companies that sold clothing and lingerie and things of that nature. And eventually he, he actually made a big self-reflection and he told his wife, honey, do me a favor. Don't get that magazine anymore. Don't, don't subscribe to, to that magazine. And she was a little bit off put and she was initially kind of making fun of him. Like, Oh, are you looking at it? What's going on? He said, it's not that I'm looking at it. It's that I don't want to look at it. I don't want anything that's going to take me away from my love for you. And that can happen, right? Because it's what we expose ourselves to. It's, I mean, it may be easy to say, Oh, we'll get over it or be mature. I think that that is mature. That's the maturity of saying, look, I know that I'm a human being and I know that if I expose myself to certain things, I'm going to predispose myself to others. I don't even want that to enter into my mind. And in fact, I don't want anything to take me away from my affection for you as my wife. I think we need to think that way where we say, I don't want to take, I don't want anything to take away my affection from God. We're going to talk about more of that in the fourth segment coming up after the break. We're going to do our coffee corner, where I go over some questions uh, that have come up in the clinic, where people ask about mental health and well-being. All right. Welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Here we are coming into the third segment on our show and i want to remind all of our listeners if you like the content that you hear here and if this is uplifting for you please let us know um please feel free to donate or call our show or um just let us know what you would like to hear and any other topics that might come up so here we are on the third segment in our coffee corner grab yourself a cup of coffee like i always like to do and I like to read what our listeners email me about, different questions that they might have. I always do keep it general and anonymous. Or I also like to talk about topics that have come up in clinic from patients that bring them up more interesting cases. Um, let me drink a little coffee here. Oh yeah, coffee's one of my favorite things in the world. But this is an interesting case that came up. So one of the patients, um, this is actually from a while ago in this this, sounds familiar to anybody it's because it's very common but we don't talk about it much if anybody's ever heard of a borderline personality disorder um this came up and it said is from the husband actually who who had a question and he said um dr sandoval i have a question my wife has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder i don't know exactly what to do about it but it makes sense she has usually been erratic it wasn't always like this it was more f- about five years after we were married. Um, I don't know what to do because she seems to be out of control at times and she says that she has blackouts. I try to be sensitive and I understand that if she's aggressive or angry, it's probably due to the personality disorder. But at the same time, it's getting it's getting hard for me to be supportive. Any suggestions? Well, this is an interesting, interesting um, situation because... If anybody's ever heard of borderline personality disorder, um, it's it's a very challenging thing to have. It's a very challenging thing to live with, especially if you're a family member. And it's a very challenging thing to treat because there really are no treatments for it. Um, If anybody has ever heard of this, let me see if I can give you, I want to give you the symptoms here. But first, I want to give you an understanding of what personality disorders are. So if you ever go online and you look at personality disorders, there's going to be Three different clusters, A, B, and C of personality disorders. They're going to have different names. Um, And today we're just going to focus on borderline personality disorder. Uh, But you're going to hear things like antisocial personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, histrionic, narcissistic personality disorder. In this case, it's borderline personality disorder. What personality disorders are, uh, if you start to read them or read about them, you're going to notice that. You go through them and you're going to say, wow, I have a lot of those traits. Do I have this disorder? Not necessarily. We call them personality disorders because one, all of us have a personality, you know, and there's different traits to the personality, but it can become a problem when certain traits predominate your life. One of the challenging things is that if somebody suffers from a personality disorder, they don't realize the havoc that they're causing to the people around them. They think they are correct. They think that it's them against the world and one of the challenging things with this is for as much as you try to help them or as much as you try to let them see that things don't have to be the way that they see um it's it's really hard for them to see it otherwise we have to wonder sometimes you know if you're in, you're in the world of deliverance and deliver in the world of spirituality when you start looking at these at how pervasive these things are you wonder is there any kind of spiritual influence when it comes to this because there is no medical treatment for borderline personality disorder in particular, there's something called DBT or dialectic behavioral therapy to help people. But let's go through some of the symptoms so that you can understand what I'm talking about and why this can be so hard. So somebody with borderline personality disorder will have an intense fear of abandonment, even going to the extreme measure to avoid real or imagined separation or rejection. I'm going to read through them really quickly. And then I'm going to come back and analyze them a little bit. Um, A pattern of unstable, intense relationships, such as idealizing someone one moment and then suddenly believing the person doesn't care enough or is cruel. That's from one moment to the next. Rapid changes in self-identity and self-image that include shifting goals and values and seeing yourself as bad or as if you don't exist at all. Periods of stress-related paranoia and loss of contact with reality lasting from a few minutes to a few hours. Impulsive and risky behaviors such as gambling, reckless driving, unsafe sex, spending sprees, binge eating, or drug abuse, or sabotaging success by suddenly quitting a good job or ending a positive relationship. Suicidal threats or behavior or self-injury, often in response to fear of separation or rejection. Wide mood swings lasting from a few hours to a few days, which can include intense happiness, irritability, shame, or anxiety ongoing feelings of emptiness, and inappropriate intense anger, such as frequently losing your temper, being sarcastic or bitter, or having physical fights. Um, This is interesting because if you read this, it sounds like, gosh, anybody who's experiencing that is all over the place. Exactly. Exactly. This is the problem with borderline personality disorder. This person is all over the place, and you know, for this husband to write in, my guess is, you know, why did this start about five years after they were into their marriage? I'm not sure. Normally, you know, and there's no age uh, here, so I don't know how old they are or anything along those lines. But um, usually, more common in females to have borderline personality disorder. It's an extreme fluctuation of emotions and intensity of anger. To give you an idea, it's one of these things where their fear, it goes back and forth. It's very hard for them to actually have relationships, but when they do have relationships, sometimes they attach to them very strongly because of the fear of abandonment, that's how strong it is. Even if the relationship is horrible, they will hold on to it. At the same time, they have an unstable pattern of intense relationships because what'll happen is, since they have such a strong fear of abandonment, if they do break up with somebody, right away they need to be with somebody else my guess is that this guy's been very patient and and he's been very you know, supportive of his wife all along and i think she's held on to that um because she does not want to be abandoned so in this case she would probably not want to break up the relationship at the same time it would be very hard to live with us because it would be one of these things where if you've ever been in a relationship where somebody's always self-loathing, they always talk about how they're no they themselves are no good, how how could you possibly love me? You've rescued me. Um, I was nothing until I met you. And then the next second they might turn on the other person and say you're terrible, you're horrible, and then they're gonna go off and leave the house and say that they're gonna kill themselves um, because of something that happened. These can be very real situations. It goes back and forth, and it's very, very hard to deal with. So if you've ever met somebody who's borderline personality disorder, it's very hard to have them as a close friend. You can have them as a friend, but the relationship is so intense that it's hard to even keep that relationship. My advice to a spouse would be continue trying to get therapy Try to bring the person down. Dialectical behavioral therapy is about bringing the person back to reality and making them not want to hurt themselves because the emotions are so intense that it's very common. We see this all the time in the emergency department, somebody who wants to kill themselves because their boyfriend broke up with them, because they you know they lost their job, or because it just didn't feel like a good day and it can be something that simple. I remember seeing somebody like that who uh, they came into the emergency department, They they and there's usually an immaturity to it as well, so there's usually a sense of they walked in, this was a grown woman in her 30s, she walked in, she was in her pajamas holding a teddy bear. Okay. And she was saying she wanted to hurt herself when she was in the emergency department. um, As we were getting the story, it turned out that the reason she wanted to hurt herself and the reason she made all this commotion and called 911. And she said that she even had a gun in her house and it was on her table and she was going to use it. And it was her boyfriend's gun is because she didn't feel that her boyfriend hugged her correctly correctly when he got home from work. And so she comes in, doesn't feel that the boyfriend is hugging her correctly, doesn't give her the affection that she felt she needed. Um, And at that point we're asking, well, what was going on with your boyfriend? What do you mean he didn't hug you correctly? Well, he had just gone to the doctor's office and he was gonna find out whether or not he had cancer. Uh, All they did was they did a biopsy that day, they sent it off to pathology and they didn't have an answer for him yet. You know, the pathology results were gonna be coming but obviously he was under a lot of stress he was under uh, a lot of frustration and he came home and he didn't really he probably needed more affection himself than she did at that point it didn't sound like she was going through anything other than she just wanted to make sure that he was going to give her affection this can happen with borderline personality disorder where she might have actually been jealous uh, of the fact that he had this potential diagnosis of cancer because now the attention was going to be on him. So this is what happens to the mindset. This is the intensity and the uh, of the feelings and the shifting of the feelings and goals. So he comes home, doesn't hug her the right way. He goes upstairs and she felt, she she said she felt abandoned because he was upstairs and he was not paying attention to her. At that point, it had to be about her. She pulled out, you know, she said she put a gun on the coffee table, told him that she was going to hurt himself herself, he was just kind of in a different place and he was like, what are you talking about? Not that he blew her off, but he's like, you're fine. Um, And that was enough for her to call 911. Now she she didn't hurt herself, but she called 911. She came to the emergency department, she was very upset. But while she was there, she also called all of her friends that she had on her phone to let them know exactly what was happening and that she was in the emergency department, really vying for that attention. Our best guess at that point for her Was that she didn't like the attention that her boyfriend could have gotten from having this diagnosis from potentially having cancer. So people were going to, you know, put their affection, their sympathies on him and she wasn't going to get enough. And that was kind of what threw her off. She needed to do this. She needed to go to the emergency department, say she was going to hurt herself. And then what she did was called all her friends. And sometimes that's a roll call. And it's really, I'm going to call everybody, let them know that I'm in the hospital, that I could potentially hurt myself and see who actually cares. See which of these friends um, actually wants to pay attention to me, we call that a roll call. Um, It's very stressful to deal with this because obviously this is not reality. Um, Very common for people with borderline personality disorder to make the suicidal threats or even just do self-injury behavior, a lot of cutting behaviors, uh, things of that nature. The impulsivity is very challenging because there's also this question of, do they have blackouts while this is happening? You know, a lot of times it says that there are periods of um, loss of contact with reality it was one of the symptoms lasting from a few minutes to a few hours. Now, you know, a lot of times that can happen, but then we wonder, are people also saying that, using that as an excuse to be able to kind of be mean, be upset and be erratic and say, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. You know, I'm sorry that that, that happened. Gosh, you know, I black out, you know, I'm not responsible. You know, for anybody who's in, any, that, in that kind of relationship, I always say, if you're in a relationship where You feel like you need to break up with somebody and they threaten that they're gonna commit suicide. They're an adult, we hope they don't make that decision, but that's not your responsibility. At the end of the day, we each make our own choices your responsibility is maybe to the extent that if they say that you could call 911 or get them to a hospital or make sure that they're safe in that respect but not to stay in a relationship because somebody wants to hurt themselves or end their life Um, because then otherwise you're not going to be leading a healthy life you're not going to be feeling good about yourself and that can be very challenging Make sure that if you ever feel like you're trapped in a relationship like that, you talk to somebody about it. You can talk to a friend, a family member, a therapist or something. Get out of that relationship. It's not healthy um, and it's not fair to you or the other person because they're never gonna advance either. All right, when we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about where we're putting our affection, especially during our holy hour, where we're focusing on the virtue of love for the next three weeks. all right welcome back to the clinic here at the dr louis sandoval show on virgin most powerful radio all right um we are now in the fourth segment of the show and every fourth segment now we're going to be uh getting updates on our holy hour challenge today the show and you know each show is going to have its topic towards what we're doing with our holy hour challenge um today you know the question is where since we are focusing on love for the first three weeks, you know, most people would say, "Well, why wouldn't you start with faith? Don't we call it faith, hope, and love?" Well, yeah, but I want to start with love because that's what we want to end with. At the same time, it's kind of like you start with Christ, you end with Christ, right? And God, we know that God is love. Saint Paul tells us that love is what remains, and that's why in today's show I really wanted to explore where do I put my love because that's kind of what I started to to think about um, as as we're doing this Holy Hour. So one of the things that I said is I want you guys to just once a week you know, do the holy hour first. And we're going to do this for 12 weeks. First three weeks, we're just going to focus on love. Um, And one of the things that came up for me as I'm doing the holy hour, you're going to experience probably different things. You know, the whole point of this, the goal of this is to find peace and healing spiritually, physically, mentally. We're going to see how God touches our lives and what kind of healing we experience. But while we're going through this journey, we might have some ups and downs, I wouldn't be surprised if you start feeling more intense temptations because, you know, that's God's way of, on on the one hand, you know, the the dark sides knowing that you're doing something good, so they're going to want to attack more. On the other hand, that's also God's way of testing us and saying, okay, let's do this. Believe it or not, getting through temptations, and even if we do fall into sin getting back up from sin, that's what's going to build our spiritual character. That's what's going to get us actually closer to God. So sometimes that's why God allows it because he says, you know, the temptations are there. I want you to get stronger. Um, it's kind of like going to the gym and putting more resistance on the bars or adding more weight to your exercise regimen. It's going to be harder. You might not be good at it at first, but you keep at it and you're going to get better. For anybody doing the challenge, feel free to email me at Sandoval vmpr at gmail.com with updates because I want to have updates on what we're doing. There was a question of if we can have a Zoom meeting uh, sometime and maybe we can. So it depends on how many people want to join. Um, If you send me your emails or you email me, I'll have your emails. And then we can consider, do we want to do a little Zoom group or something and just kind of see how this is going. The bottom line is I want to see results. Just like when we do a diet, when we go to the gym, I want to see results. You know, God says, If you put your trust in me, I'm going to help you out. Right? So asking you shall receive what we're asking. And what I'm asking for is I want to have peace of life and I'm going to, and this is what I'm asking for. And I want to do it through the, uh, virtues of faith hope and love during a holy hour if you go on our website and you link up to where the holy hour challenge is you're going to see my ideas and the background behind it Uh, one of the things i talk about is uh, if you look at fatima and the angel of peace that came to talk to the children of fatima taught them a few prayers um, and he mentioned he was the angel of peace and in those prayers you're going to notice that it talks about adoring the blessed sacrament and saying that we have faith, hope, and love. It sounds to me like if there's an angel of peace giving us this message, then, and Fatima was all about peace. Our Lady uh, was telling us to pray the rosary for world peace so that there wouldn't be any more wars. Well, sometimes we want to avoid that war that's happening inside of us. One of the challenges I found for myself as I started this uh, uh, challenge was one of these questions where, well, wait a minute, you know, you're telling God that you want to see results. Are you challenging God? Are you kind of being like, uh, the devil in the desert with Christ, where he was saying, you know, turn the bread and to turn these rocks into bread. Um, and, you know, Christ says, oh, you know, you know, you shouldn't, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. And then the devil tells him, why don't you throw yourself off this building and God's going to catch you. And all of a sudden Jesus says, no, you know, you're not supposed to put God to the test. One of the questions I had come up on me, and this is one of the challenges, wait a minute, are you putting God to the test? I don't think so. You know, it could feel that way, like, well, if I'm going to do this, then you have to do this for me, God. No, I think this is more, what kind of relationship do we have with God? Do we have a real relationship where he is our father? Like any good father, he's going to take care of us. We ask for things and God's going to say, well, you know, if you do your chores, You know, maybe you're going to get a little bit of money or something. You know, some parents still do that, right? They still uh, give their kids money or or you want a toy. Okay, well, why don't you go mow the lawn for me or do something? And we're going to do that. If we truly have a parental relationship, I don't think we're challenging God to see what kind of miracles he's going to perform in our lives. I think it's what's expected. You know, I think that God says, if you pray for something, I will give it to you. Um, And we're saying, you know, how often do we actually take God, God up on his offer that's really the question of the day here, so it's not that we're trying to challenge God it's that we're saying, God, you told us that if we do this where our lives are going to improve, well, I want to see that I want to see results in my life um, as I do this so <clears throat> one of the things that's hard is I realize it's hard to actually do a, a holy hour um, with this purpose um, because it, it, one for some people, for a lot of my patients, it can be h- hard to sit for an hour um, alone that that alone can be a little bit challenging um, but What I found very helpful is as I'm going through the Fatima prayers, the the prayers that the angel taught the children, I don't go through them and pray them like Hail Mary's on a rosary where I just repeat them meditatively. I read them very, very, very slowly and I let them sink in. So the two prayers are this, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. And I let that sit for a little while. Give myself a couple minutes. Let it sit. Go back to the next prayer. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended, and by the infinite merits of most of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. And I kind of let that sit for a little while. I let that be there. I don't rush to the next prayer right away. I let myself think now about love. What does it mean to love God? Sometimes I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't even know, you know, what, what, what is it? Because do we spend enough time with God? Do I, and it's might be different things for different people because God has an individual relationship with each of us. So the way God loves us is individually, not imperfect by any means for any of us, but it's like parents and kids. You know, I love all my kids, but I know that they each have unique personalities. And I know that what each of them likes, and it's not always the same thing. So my relationship, what I do for each one might be a little bit different out of the same love because they they are each unique and different. And I think God recognizes that of us he knows that we are each unique and different. And so he's going to give us what we need. And this is why I sometimes say, I don't know exactly what that relationship is. I think I think sometimes I think God doesn't know me. So what I'm doing here is for the first three weeks of focusing on love is what does that mean that I love God? I want to present myself to God. I want God to get to know me. I'm going to pretend like God doesn't know me at all. And I'm going to talk to him about who I am. That sound, might sound kind of selfish. It's like, geez, Dr. Snell, are you talking about yourself? Well, yeah, but when you form a friendship, You want people to get to know you. You want them to like you, right? And you want to hear what they're all about. So I'm hoping that it's a reciprocal relationship. As I talk to God and tell him about who I am and and start falling in love with God, I hope that he tells me a little bit more in a deeper way. I I don't think I've ever, you know, taken the time to actually um, sat down and said to God, hey God, this is what I like. This is what I like to do. And that's why, you know, for this talk for today where I was thinking about, well, who do you love more, God or the devil? It wasn't that I that we overtly love the devil at all, you know, I mean, some people, yes, they belong to satanic cults or things of that nature, and obviously they're gonna obviously give their affection to the devil. But for us, you know, it can be in a subtle way, and I gotta wonder, the music I'm listening to, maybe I can't stop, you know, the, the Catholic music station from playing uh, whatever music they want at that college campus. Maybe the Cardinal's not focusing on it or have their reason, maybe the local priest or the college, whatever reason that they're allowing that to happen, according to the article. I might not be able to stop that, but I can choose what I listen to with the idea that based on what I'm listening to, I'm affecting my relationship with God in one way or another, which means that I'm actually affecting my relationship with the dark side in one way or another. And if I want to get away from the dark side, if I want to get away from the occult, if I want to give my affection to God, I'm focused and eventually want to reach peace, right? Because this is what God is telling us, we're going to have peace who doesn't want peace, especially in this chaotic world? I want to focus this holy hour for these three weeks on, this is who I am, God, and I want to find out more about who you are, and I want to have a real-life conversation like I would with any other person. You know, God is a personal God. Um, That's going to be the goal for these three weeks. I want to hear from, uh, from you as to how well it's working for you, you know, and let me share with you a little bit about what I was doing, because like I said, aside from our basic, you know, doing the Holy Rosary. This is, this is a little bit in addition to, I'm not doing too much in addition to what we normally do, going to mass, Holy Rosary uh, daily and going to confession. I'm just focusing my Holy hour on the virtues. And while I'm doing that, I am going to do a little bit extra. I've got my book on the imitation of Christ. So if anybody has never heard of it, great book, great book to read. It's got little chapters. Let me read just the first chapter of what I've already read. Little chapters. And see how this brings us closer to Christ and closer to understanding understanding God. So the first chapter says this. No one who follows me will ever walk in darkness. These words of our Lord counsel all to walk in his footsteps. If you want to see clearly and avoid blindness of heart, it is his virtues you must imitate. Make it your aim to meditate on the life of Jesus Christ. Christ's teaching surpasses that of all the saints. But to find the spiritual nourishment, you must seek to have the spirit of Christ. It is because we lack this spirit that so often we listen to the gospel without really hearing it. Those who fully understand Christ's words must labor to make their lives confirmed to his. To be learned and able to discuss the Trinity will get you nowhere if you do not have humility and therefore please the Holy Trinity. Lofty words never save you nor make you a saint. Only a virtuous life makes you dear to God. It is better to experience contrition than to be able to define it. And really that, you know, that's just the first part of the first chapter. It only has a few more uh, uh, paragraphs there. But listen to that part. It's about the experience of God. And that's really what I'm hoping that this Holy Hour does. This is why I'm saying I want to get to know God more. I'll pray the two prayers that I mentioned during the Holy Hour, the the prayers of the Angel of Fatima. But what I really want to do and focus on is my experience with God. You know, what if I'm sitting with a friend and all I'm doing is reading a book and they're reading a book, it was cool to read a book, but I didn't get to know them. I got to have an experience where they sit next to me, but guess what? Maybe I do get to know them a little bit subtly. I, I get to see how they sit. I get to see what, it, what the experience is like to sit with next to them. And is that enjoyable or not? People give off a vibe, right? So I'm hoping that I give off a vibe to God and I get God's vibe and that we gel and that it makes it makes it very uh, good and holy and builds a relationship. Again, that sentence, it is better to experience contrition than to be able to define it. I want to experience God. Yeah, I want to have the experience of God. I don't want to just read about God. I want to keep my prayer simple. I want to keep my approach to the holy hour simple. And I want to that way, just see what the experience is like. I don't want to have an agenda other than I'm going to eventually reach peace because that's what God tells us, right? Um, my experience before the holy hours have sometimes been a little bit tiring, a little bit of a chore, it can feel like, especially uh, if we are, you know, doing this with a purpose. But afterwards, I gotta say, I feel like something was accomplished. You know, at least on at least this first holy hour, something, something was accomplished. I can't really explain it. Like it says, better to experience contrition than better than to define it. I can't really explain my experience. I can't really define it. But I can tell you that there was a sense that things were gonna be okay. So that that was really good. Let me read the last few paragraphs here of the first chapter. Uh, this is just the first chapter. This was day one. You know, obviously, there's been like six chapters I've read. But to be well versed in Scripture and all the sayings of the philosophers will not profit you if you are without God's love and His grace. All things are vanity. That's from Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two. Nothing matters except to love God and to serve Him only. The height of wisdom is to set your goal on heaven by despising the world. Again. You know, the height of wisdom is to despise the world and nothing matters except to love God. This is why we're starting with love before the whole, before the blessed sacrament and we're ending with love uh, during this challenge because nothing else is going to matter. We're going to find peace and the height of wisdom is to set your goal on heaven by despising the world. And this is what I'm talking about. Where are my affections? Who do I love? Do I love God or the world? And this is what's going to gain us, you know, wisdom. The world is gonna be these songs that all of a sudden I think are, oh, but they're so cool. Oh, but that show's so funny. You know, when I get to heaven, it's where's my affection? Was that song really that important compared to my my eternal soul? Um, We're gonna have to ask ourselves that question. How foolish it is to seek and to put your trust in riches that will pass. How foolish to go after worldly honors and set yourself above others. How foolish to follow the impulses of the flesh or to covet these things which so soon will cost you a heavy penalty. How foolish to wish for a long life but not care whether it is a good life, to be concerned only with the present and never a thought of eternity or the endless joy that awaits you. Often think of the proverb the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Be determined to detach your heart from the love of visible things, allowing it to center on those unseen. Again, this is just the first chapter, Imitation of Christ. Listen to this. This is why I say, Where is my affection? Is it the music industry? Is it the TV industry? Is it just general entertainment? Is it a funny joke that I probably shouldn't have said or repeated? Um, Again, this is a wonderful verse from Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse eight. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Those are our TV show. And for me, anyway, I speak personally here, TV show entertainment, you know, magazines, stories, it's all vanity, you know, nor is the ear filled with hearing. What am I listening to? I find myself only listening to... To Catholic talk radio when I'm driving, I don't even I don't you you I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the latest music is on the top 40 uh nowadays. Not because I'm holy or good or anything like that, but because I realize it's not filling me to a certain extent. It's not my ear is not filled, my heart is not filled, my eyes aren't filled by doing all this. So we're gonna keep these holy hours up this week again, focusing on love. Because that's all that matters and I hope that as we're doing it nobody feels too overwhelmed or anything it's just literally a holy hour focused on the virtues during the holy hour for myself I'm praying those prayers of Fatima you can choose to pray it differently you can choose to do it differently any way you want Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed by it it's okay it's just a start it's three it's 12 weeks it's not a sprint we're gonna take it one day at a time if you miss a week that's okay you wait and make it up the next week if you feel like, you know, gosh, Dr. Sandoval, the uh, churches are closed. I can't get to church or something along those lines. Or, you know, like I said, or gosh, my life is, truly is busy. You know, I've got kids at home and, you know, they're uh, virtual learning or whatever the situation is. If it's too busy, if you can't get in front of a tabernacle or if there's no holy hour around you, um, <clears throat> make a spiritual communion at home for an hour. Try to set the hour aside um, to really focus on being one with God. And this is really what it's going to come down to. We're going to set our affections on God. We're going to set our heart on God. And God is going to be part of that relationship. And I bet you God's going to bring us peace. I can't say I felt too many changes yet this first week, other than, you know, you do the holy hour, you kind of get into it. It's no different than going to the gym. You know, a lot of people want to see results right away and they're going to work out and they're going to run and they're going to lift weights. The first week, you're actually going to come out really sore. You're not going to see results. You might even gain weight and you might feel like you're ready to give up. It's okay. The whole point is going back because eventually, as you keep going back, you see people get stronger. When you get there, and you see people who can run marathons or sprints or are very strong, can lift very, very heavy weights. You got to ask yourself. You know, go to, go. Actually, you got to ask them. Go up and talk to them and say, "How long have you been doing this for?" I doubt they're going to say it's a week. You know, I, they're probably going to say, "You know, I've been coming here for years." And I bet you, if you hear their story, they're going to they're going to say, "Yeah, you know, I." I used to come regularly the first maybe two years and then I kind of stopped coming for a few months and then I got back into it. But I always feel best when I am right there into it. And that's really what I want us to remember. Our relationship with God, um, it ebbs and flows, right? It has peaks and valleys. What I'm hoping for is consistency in doing these holy hours in spite of whatever peaks and valleys we might experience, um, during the 12 weeks, my wife was asking me, why'd you do this 12 weeks? Why did you say 12 weeks? Because really, that's how long it takes to build, to get the body. If you will, when we think about it from a exercise point of view, you know, you hear about all these 12 week diets and 12 week exercises and things of that nature. You know, I think it's going to, to get the final results we want to get my love only on God and really be able to combat the devil. Um, which is not to say I'm not going to have pitfalls. I might find a joke funny again. I might want to really watch a show and, and, and do that or you know, whatever it is that each individual person is going to experience, that can happen. But I think it's going to take 12 weeks to really see the results to get to the point where I say, gosh, yeah, you know, I, I did it. I, I, you know, uh, I, I did the challenge in 12 weeks and I might not be perfect, but I might be ready for another 12 weeks. I might be in a position where I say, gosh, I'm going to keep this going for myself. Maybe I'm going to be able to do a holy hour every week focusing on not just faith, hope, and love, but maybe the virtue of humility, maybe patience, maybe, you know, it all grows the same way that everything's uh, uh, in converse, right? The same way that if you give the devil an inch, he'll give you 98, 99%, but he'll take the one or the 2%. Why? Because the converse is true. If I start giving God one or 2%, even the slightest inclination God's going to open that door and when I start with one virtue, one holy hour, all of a sudden the door to all of our faith opens up. And then we have all the tools before us. I want us to use these virtues as tools, not as trophies that can't be reached. Really tools just like picking up a pencil and writing something. That pencil was a tool. It's right there in my hand. I get to choose what to write the same way. These virtues are right there. They are a tool. I want to pick them up, and I want to choose to put them towards getting closer to God. So if there's any questions about that, don't forget, email me. That's drdr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. If we get enough uh, people who want to participate and want to do a Zoom meeting or talk about your experiences a little bit more in that way, more than happy to do that. We can set that up down the road no pressure. This is where I want to keep it simple. I don't want this to be, Oh my gosh, this is something else I got to do on top of everything else I got to do. Nope. It's going to be one step at a time. And I think it's going to be great. I think I'm, you know, I'm excited about continuing to do it. I'm excited about, um, seeing really God work in my life and I gotta be ready to see how subtle God is to see how subtle and easy God is working in my life, because I don't want to expect to see big miracles, but maybe even just the smallest things that make me appreciate Him more. Just like in any good relationship, you know, in a good marriage, you say, it's the simple things. It's a simple, it was the little things that broke the marriage, but it was the little things that made it stronger. In the same way, I want to focus on, I want to do the little things. I want to see the little things happen in my life. I want to see the things uh, that God's going to do in my life where I say, gosh, he really knew me. He knew that I would like that. He knew that detail about me and I didn't even realize that. And I'm hoping that God teaches me the little nuances about how he wants me to love him. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me. Hope you continue to listen here to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, in upcoming shows, hopefully we're going to have a few interviews and get more information on deliverance ministry and mental health. Until next week, continue your prayers, continue to do the Holy Hour Challenge, um, and continue to, even though Easter's over and Divine Mercy's over, we're going to continue focusing on being better, stronger, Catholic. Until next time, this is Dr. Luis Sandoval here, signing off from the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Have a great week.